0: Go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. In the winter
1: time when all the leaves are brown. And the wind blows and the birds have all flown for the summer. Get out of here. Are you kidding me? Straight up. What would you rather have? Today? Tonight? Or those sub-90 degree days when you're gasping for breath? Trying to hold everything together. Give me the summer any day. Give it to me. Right here in Duval. Take it away. Steve Miller and Wintertime. Steve Miller, by the way, in town this past Saturday night at the uh, St. Aug Amp. And fortunately, I did not get a chance to go. I guess it was raining. And I've seen the Steve Miller Band uh, many times. But I was actually invited to a Christmas party on Saturday, which in itself is is a rarity. I think it's the first party I've been invited to in probably a decade. I just don't get invited. Uh, to things like that. But, yeah, I moved down here for several reasons. <coughs> Politics. Kidding. Not kidding. Uh, I moved down here because of the weather. So you can get rid of this. And if, you know, the blue-collar workers, if, if this is tolerable for you, maybe even enjoyable for you, then I'm going to tip my cap. Okay. Uh, but anyone else, no way. I mean, I played nine holes today over at Cimarron. I was four over. Uh, just plushly acquainted now. These brand-new greens, at least some of them they've redone. Um, the tee boxes you won't recognize with all the grass, the the fairways. And I, it was just a really good round. And I played with three knucklehead buddies. And I said, that's it, I'm out. They're like, you got to be kidding me, man. You got a good round going. You you know, you're four over. I'm like, yeah, but, man, I'm just, I, I'm feeling a chill. And I need to go inside, you know, and that's that. So give me the hot any day. Give it to me 365 days a year. Uh, you can take the cold. And I never look ahead. I don't know what's up. I don't know what's up tomorrow. I don't know what's up Thursday or Friday or this weekend or or any of that. And I guess, you know, around Christmas, uh, if there was a time where you could have it be just a little chill, uh, this would be it. But I thought it was an unusual year. I thought August was the hottest August that I can ever remember. And it feels like we are definitely smack dab in an ice-cold winter. All right, we got a lot to do here tonight on 1010XL 10, 10 and 92.5 FM. Plenty on the Jaguars coming up. I do want to start with the alma mater because... Uh, I'm bothered here, and obviously I'm not hot and bothered, but I'm bothered. And, you know, Jared Verse, out expected. Trey Benson, out expected. Fabian Lovett, out expected. Jaheim Bell, Johnny Wilson, both out expected. We'll find out about Akeem Dent. We'll find out about Keon Coleman. We'll find out about Braden Fisk. So, you're going to have eight or nine opt-outs for the NFL, you, uh, you have lost a couple of other starters as well via the transfer portal. Uh, D.J. Lundy, who I guess technically is your third linebacker. Uh, certainly Joshua Farmer, who had just a sensational year. I thought he had a much better year than Lovett. Uh, inside, playing next to Braden Fisk, um, you know, as both of your defensive tackles. We don't know what's going on with Pat Payton, right? Matter of fact, would you be surprised if Payton pulls a Lovett and doesn't play in the ball game, but still elects to return next year for Florida State. And, of course, signing day tomorrow. But it's there. And it's, I, I've made this point. And shockingly enough, some of you have disagreed with me, okay? Being around anything that feels sorry for me is is one of the, the worst feelings that you can be a part of, even if you're a tiny little part or you're a very large part. Uh, Florida State got screwed. I'm with you. Did they deserve to get in? Sure. Are they one of the best four teams right now in college football? No, they're not. So the latter won out. And I don't expect you as a fan base to get over it. I expect you to be aggravated. I expect you to complain. It'll probably make you better if you complain, all right? But it's another thing when it's your program. And there's a cloud right now that has been hovering around God's country, and it's contagious. And what it is, it's, it's a whole pack of sheep, and its leaders right now are the combination of either a mime or a zombie. And and that's what you have. You're walking around, bumping into one another. I can't believe this happened to us. We got screwed. We have not heard from Mike Norvell since the announcement. I guess he did some sort of a press conference. I guess he was supposed to do two with Kirby Smart to uh, to preview the Orange Bowl. Remember, the second one was canceled, and there was speculation for, like, a half day that Florida State was going to remove themselves Uh, from the Orange Bowl. Mike Norvell has been doing what every college football coach has been doing. He's out recruiting. It's signing day tomorrow. He's trying to figure out his roster, who's leaving, uh, what have you. But, But his comments today got me. And I understand that he was asked this by the media. The media hasn't spoken to him in two weeks. So what does the media have on their mind? Your feelings after being left out of the college football playoff. Your feelings on being able to get out of the Atlantic Coast Conference. Let, let's go to Mike Norvell today when asked about the first part of this, being left at the altar by the college football playoff.
2: You had to learn how to work through disappointment, hurt, you know, frustration, anger, all the, every bit of it. Um, and you're 18 to 22 year old kids and you're 42 year old coach. Um, you know, and so, um, you know, it's, it's hard, but you know, at the end of the day, you control the things you control. And, you know, we did everything that, that we needed to do to win 13 games this uh, this season. Um, now we get an opportunity to, to go get better. And so for a group of young men that uh, are having to work through that, I mean, it's probably been the most challenging couple of weeks of coaching I've ever had.
1: It sounds better than what I read. I'll give him credit there. It, it was upbeat. It was uh, – it sounds to me like part of that is in the distance. Um or is, is now distant, which, which is encouraging. Reading it, it's, it sounded worse. And here's my issue with it. You can say what you want, Florida fans. The death blow for Dan Mullen was the bowl game, and I think it was Oklahoma. It was after you left it all out on the field against Alabama. Dan Mullen showed everyone in Gator Nation that he quit, when he grabbed the podium after losing that ball game and saying the Gators played their last game of the season so many days ago, and that was obviously the SEC championship game in that loss to Alabama. And, and even if he was right, you can't say that. It's, a, it's an egregious mistake. I think it's the mistake that, that led to his eventual firing. He admitted that he quit. He admitted that the team quit. Florida State is going to get buried, okay? They gave up 29 points once, 24 points twice. Every other game, they didn't allow more than 17 points. They had the best second-half defense in college football. They allowed 4.6 points a game. I'm not talking about the kick return, the Vatek kick return, And I want to say there was um, an interception. Uh, There might have been a pick six uh, or something, a fumble recovery by an opponent. But if you look at defensive numbers, Florida State was number one in America uh, with their defense. They don't give up a lot of points. They're going to get their ass kicked. I just gave you eight or nine opt-outs. The transfers. You don't know who the quarterback is going to be. It's... It's going to be a problem, and there will be those on the outside will say, say, Florida State never should have played in this game, Florida State this, Florida State that. Look, they got blown out by Georgia, and I know Georgia's going to have some opt-outs as well. Carson Beck did announce yesterday that he is going to be the quarterback, but it's one thing to show up and play it and leave it on the field, and if it is a loss, even by a very large margin, okay, take it with you into the offseason. It's another thing to acknowledge it. It's another thing to act it, to show quit, to show the lack of preparation, to, again, walk around and act like, oh, feel sorry for us. No one feels sorry for you. And if they did, they got over it that weekend. Everyone's got their own freaking problems. Everyone's got their own issues. I mean, wake up. When Auburn got left undefeated a few years ago, people got over it. It happened to Joe Paterno twice. He was undefeated at Penn State. People get over it. And to me, this thing just continues to linger in Tallahassee right now, and I think it's a major concern. But anyway, listening to this live for the first time, I actually want to credit Norvell. I think he did a better job answering this than actually the quotes and the way that the story did read today uh, when I took a look at it on ESPN. Anyway, just a point of emphasis there. Uh, that, I tell you, the one, the one team in America that needs this game to be played this weekend is Florida State because they just need to move on. You need to play this game. You, know, you hope you can keep it um, reasonable. Is that acceptable? You know, keep it within – is there a Florida State fan alive right now that if you covered the spread, you wouldn't take that? 15 points, 14.5, 14. Are you trying to tell me it's a 28-14 Georgia win over Florida State? I, I, I think where Florida State is, their mindset, the kids who have left, you lose 28-14, I think you hang your hat in that and say, okay, let's get after 2024. Hopefully you have a great signing day tomorrow. Hopefully you take care of this transfer portal. And you get back out there and you get after it once spring ball uh, does get underway. But, man, that right there is, is something that I don't wish on anyone because that thing is just hovering on campus. All right, we got a lot of NFL to do tonight as well with the Jaguars. Again, on Tuesday night, I give you the opportunity to call on in at six four one ten ten. 1010 you know, I shared it with the ladies of Helmets and Heels, and I certainly brought it up a night ago. That There's a little bit of me that is trying to understand where you're coming from. And I say this respectfully, even if it doesn't sound it. I do. And I define my point with facts. The facts are a record, the win-loss record. This is the second losing his franchise in NFL history. Okay, you're taking on number one this weekend in Tampa Bay. And despite the complaints that are as follows, you don't have an offensive line. You don't have a 1A wide receiver. You don't have a pass rush. You don't have a great secondary. You don't like your general manager. You're down on your offensive coordinator, Press Taylor. Many of you wanted Mike Caldwell, your defensive going. fired a year ago. So th- those are just some of the issues. Oh, yeah. Use the second round pick on Strange, use the third round pick on Bigsby. I mean, I can go on and on and on. It- there's issue after issue after issue after issue that spells negativity. Yet the fan base this year has been upset with double digit wins and is now jumping off rooftops after losses. And I'm trying to understand, where is this coming from? If this was a great Florida State team, and it was, I got you. If this was a Miami Hurricane team that won five national titles, I got you. And played in several others. A Florida team that had a great decade uh, with Urban Meyer – I got you. Georgia, the last three, I got, this isn't. This is not. This is your Jaguars. 10 losing seasons in 11 years. Okay, it's now 10 out of 12. And hopefully, this year, you get two winning years in a row. But again, it's not like you dropped the 12 and 5 on people last year. It's not like you dropped a 13. You dropped the 9 and 8. In this year, it's the same deal. Your plus-minus differential is six points in 14 games. Six points, one possession. (laughs) I mean, you're a one-possession, better football team than you're not. Think about it. Your points per game has gone down. Your points allowed per game has gone up. So it's not as good as a football team as it was a year ago. It was just a different team. Last year, came from behind. Second half of the season, what, you won those six of seven, four double-digit, trailing by double-digit in four of those games, and that doesn't even include the the game here against L.A. in the playoffs, 27, you you, you found a way, particularly in the fourth quarter. This year, it's been different. You've gotten out early. You've had halftime leads. You've had double-digit halftime leads. And you've hung on. You've won some comfortably. Others, you have hung on. And thinking that I, thinking a couple of things here. Number one, thinking that I know a little bit about the team and also thinking that I know a little bit about you because no one is more interactive with our listeners than JJ and I are on Into the Night. No one uses the text line like we do. And when we take phone calls, and I'm not trying to call out my colleagues here. I'm just merely making a point. I never am afraid to admit when I'm wrong. I'm also never afraid to admit that if you send me something and I use it, I'm going to credit you and say I learned from you. That happens every once in a while. That has no effect on me either way. I actually love it. But... Tell me your mindset. You're acting like you're, you're acting like you're a Kansas City chiefs fan. That's my point here. And I can't understand it. I just off the surface outlined 10 to 12 problems with this that, that you tell me consistently, that you tell me weekly, okay? Yet, despite all of that, You act the way that that you do. I'm I'm not ripping you. I'm I'm trying to understand where it's coming from. You know, some people ask, well, it's your fault. You told us they were great. You told us Tank Bigsby was this. You told us Calvin Ridley was that. Absolutely, I did. Absolutely. And you know what? There's a lot of people out there uh, who won't admit it now. I will. I bragged about Tank Bigsby. I thought he was phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal at the Miller Electric Center in the month of, uh, of August. Same with Calvin Wrigley. I've never seen anything like that before in my life. And you go back to Jimmy Smith, you can go to Justin Blackman. I have never seen a wide receiver do what he did on the practice grounds in this city the way that Calvin Wrigley did again back in August. So there's been issues, there's been problems. Oh, yeah. I don't have that answer for you. So I'm just trying to get it from you. And and tonight, you're going to get that opportunity at 641-1010. 10, 10. But I also feel like because I worded it that way, we also have to be realistic here. I've said all along, I gave you two bets. I don't bet. I haven't bet in ten years, ten plus years. I gave you two bets: Jaguars will win the AFC South, Travis Etienne, uh, forty-one and a half receptions, take the over. What's he at now? I think forty-eight. So that one's already—you've already cashed his check. If you listen to me, we'll see if the Jaguars win the the AFC South. A lot uh, is still left to be desired uh, there, but I'm going to give you what I think you want. Tell me why. You believe this team is not going to make the playoffs. What's the reason why? I got three huge ones. But I'm interested in yours. Number one for me is injuries. But every team in the NFL has injuries. You know who didn't have injuries? Jacksonville in 2022. Ben Bartger, Early, Cam Robinson, late, Jack Griffin, Week 5. They were an unbelievably blessed team. Healthy. Not the case this year. This football team's beaten up. Number two, Jaguars can't run. No other way to say it. They cannot run. They can't run between the tackles. They can't run inside whatsoever. It doesn't matter who the defense is. It doesn't matter what their defensive grades are. Jacksonville cannot run the football. 98 yards a game. They're 26th in pro football. You have to do a lot of research on that to look back at a team that went deep into the playoffs having a team that rushes the ball in the late 20s. Jacksonville right now currently at 26. Uh, Number three, and this may be the most important of them all, Jacksonville's terrible on third down. They were 3 of 13 on Sunday night. For the year, they're 69 of 189. Their third down offense is 36.5%. That's 22nd in the NFL. So we're talking about a playoff team that's injured. We're talking about a playoff team that can't run. We're talking about a playoff team that is really bad on third down. How are you even 8-6? and And how do you expect to run the table here, like many do believe, to go 3-0? and And end up being eleven and six, and getting an opportunity at least in week one during uh, the wild card uh, set of playoffs to at least host that first uh, selected games. In this case, it would be against Cleveland. And I'll be it a Cleveland team that has defeated Jacksonville. I'll be at a Cleveland team right now that even though they're a wild card, they have a better record than Jacksonville. Jacksonville's eight and six. Cleveland uh, coming in. At 9 and 5. So, I've given you a lot to choose from uh, as we get things rolling. But uh, a couple of ways that, that you can join us. As always, it's good to hear you on the text line, 641-1010. That is brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. We'll also grab some calls tonight on anything that is Jaguar-related. Good, bad, indifferent, biggest concern. I mean, where are you with this football team? Uh, I, I hear the angst, I read the angst daily, but an opportunity for you to to air your opinion as well. Again, that number is 641-1010. All right, opening comments tonight brought to you by Schmunez Vision, family organization. They focus on personal, high-quality medical and surgical eye care. Let me highlight family. That's incredibly important, okay? Grandparents, parents, sons, daughters. They all visit Shmunez Vision. I love them. Okay. There's so much more than just an eye examination. We're talking about a full service when it comes to uh, personal, high quality medical and surgical eye care. Okay. Had surgery in my right eye eight and a half years ago. And uh, there's never been a setback. No matter when I go and visit, it's always as expected, which is very encouraging. Awesome one, 30 years worth of laser eye uh, surgery experience. I honestly wish that I was a candidate for that. I'm not after surgery, but I would love to have laser eye surgery and have 2020 uh, for the rest of my days instead of, you know, constantly going and, and getting contacts and doing things along those lines. Uh, that's part of it for so many of us. But imagine that way of life, never having to worry again. Night or when you wake up in the morning. Well, looking for your readers, looking for your glasses. Yeah, that's part of what they do as well with laser eye surgery. Your best bet, check them out online. Just go to ShmunezVision.com. That is ShmunezVision.com. Care you can see. All right, we got a lot to do tonight. 6411010. Jag fans, your opportunity is right now. 6411010 plus. Same number for the text line. 6411010. That is brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures.
0: Into the Night with Rick Baloo on 1010XL 92.5 FM.
1: All right, all the ladies, be safe out there on the Phillips Highway Stroll. To all you Johns, make sure you tip. It's the holiday season. Man, I made a mistake today. I actually went to a store. I won't mention the name. It's a chain. They don't spend money here. And, uh, you talk about stress. And, and that was today. I can't imagine what it's going to be like over the weekend. Two days before Christmas, Christmas Eve. It is. It's a, uh, it's a stressful time. You do your shopping out and about, or do you do it all on both? Online?
3: I'm yeah. done though. Okay. Uh, I used to be like Christmas Eve guy, and I would basically do no shopping until the very last minute, but since I've been in a committed relationship, now married, I got to start earlier than that. So I'm pretty much, I'm wrapped up, literally.
1: I've always enjoyed Christmas Eve better than Christmas, and except for maybe the first seven or eight, maybe the first eight to ten years of my life. Uh, with Santa Claus coming and all that stuff. Um, you know, where I was from in Boston, we we had a huge party uh, every year in high school. And when I would return from Florida State, it was always at the Blues House that we would have a Christmas Eve party. And, you know, in the 80s and even into the early 90s, it was just a different time as far as drinking and driving. I hate to admit it, but again, I'm, I can't change the past. And we would all go to Midnight Mass. And it's it was a great mass, a beautiful mass. But I always, you know, like when I, the seven years that I worked in Chicago, I, I had to work Christmas, but it was like, it was a much more important day. Give me, uh, give me Christmas Eve.
3: Christmas Eve is when we do our, family italian dinner Okay. and that's why it's my favorite night yeah um because i much prefer that i don't hate turkey and ham and like the southern fixins that we have on christmas but i love our family italian meal my dad usually makes meatballs and we'll have all kinds of stuff i think we're having veal this year or something like uh, stuffed shells i love it it's the best
1: yeah, I just think with for, for moms and dads out there, I think Christmas Eve, I mean, that's that's when you gotta get a lot of things done.
3: You gotta wake up at like super early in the morning.
1: Yeah, hope the kids get to bed. And, yeah. And and when you get a little bit older it's even more uh enjoyable. Um you know, but by the time it's this time on Christmas Day, it's like everyone's wiped out. Oh yeah. yeah everyone's had it. That's why I always I would ask for the one day off. That would be Christmas Eve and by Christmas night, even though I'd be tired of whatever it was
3: uh we got three games. Almost over. Three yeah. football and like six basketball games on How Christmas. about that? I'm ready. The totally couch, different. Couch will be calling my name. Anyway, so
1: have a uh, have a lot of fun out there doing what it is that, that you need to do. All right, let's grab some reaction on the Jaguars. Getting a ton on the text line at six four one ten ten. Brought to you by Lifetime and Coaches. A couple of calls rolling in. If you'd like to do the same, you can. six four Let's kick it off with John. He goes into the night. How you doing, John?
0: Yo, man, all is well. How about
1: you? Everything's good with me, John. Thank you.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, look, I got two questions I'll post up here real quick. Uh, Number one, do you think Trevor Lawrence feels as if he has to be the hero? And number two, um, do you think with Trevor Lawrence, do you think he... uh, I just lost my train of thought that quick, but I'll just take my comments off with that one. That's a that's a open one for me. Thank
1: you. All right, John. Appreciate the call. Thank you. He opens up a line, six four one ten ten. 1010 Yeah, I think there's a little bit of that. I don't think there's any question. First of all, Trevor Lawrence is not used to losing. He didn't lose in high school. He lost only a couple of games uh, in college. He still has to get better. And obviously, he's aware of that. The biggest problem that Trevor Lawrence has right now is turning the football over, particularly fumbles. He leads the NFL and lost fumbles in the last two years. And if he doesn't – the sack is one thing. He tried to make a play in a sack, and, and I'm not trying to excuse it, but that's one thing, and, and that'll happen. Dropping the ball the way he did on the 18-yard line, for the life of me, I mean, that, that feels like a Joe Flacco small hands Type of deal that, that isn't the case. And, and I know that, that was, he just made a mistake there. That's 99 out of 100 times that's not going to happen. Well, it did happen. And I think there is part of that that is involved right now with Trevor Lawrence is he probably feels he has to go above and beyond uh, to make plays. His best wide receiver is out. One of his three starting receivers as well has not been 100% in Zay Jones. Uh, all of a sudden, Calvin Ridley and Trevor Lawrence—they're—they're they're nowhere near on the same page. I mean, we were talking about this last night. Let me let me look it up again. It, th- these numbers are are just just awful. I mean, they're absolutely awful. Listen to this: if you look at completions to attempts, Trevor Lawrence to Calvin Ridley. 60 receptions for 109 attempts. I mean, 60 for 20 would be 50%. He's 60 for 109. Look at that compared to the other two highly targeted uh, football players. Christian Kirk is 57 of 85. And Evan Ingram, same amount of attempts as Calvin Ridley, 109. Evan Ingram, 88 receptions. He's got 28 more receptions than Calvin Ridley. And I understand the average per is a little bit different. It's five yards more, not, not exactly five. It's 4.7 more for Calvin Ridley. So a lot of his routes are longer downfield, and, and Evan Ingram is a little bit more of a safety safety valve. So there's always a – either you want to call it an excuse or – the way I look at it, it is factual. But still, that's a problem, 60 of 109. So, I mean, what, what would you grade Trevor Lawrence this year? Guys played hurt, right? Guy came back from, a, from an ankle. I can think of some quarterbacks who have played here. There's no way. You think Blaine Gabbert would have come back and played that game a week later? There's not a chance in the world that he would have done that. Now he's in the concussion protocol, and hopefully we'll have a better understanding as to what's going on with him uh, tomorrow. But, you know, he's completed 65.9% of his passes, 3,500 yards, 18 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. Okay, tied for a career high with sacks with 32. That's another big part of Trevor Lawrence. The offensive line is not good, and this football team cannot run the ball. Uh, defenses right now are lining up saying, don't let Trevor Lawrence beat us. We'll take our chances against their rushing attack. So I think there's a lot of fingers to point. I think it begins with Trent Balkey. I think it also files in the Doug Peterson, Press Taylor, and Phil Rauscher a little bit. I also think there's a lot of blame that needs to go to Trevor Lawrence. He, he's a third-year quarterback now. What does he have, 44, 45, 46 starts? Uh, sooner or later, you know, that whole newlywed, the, the whole the honeymoon's over. It's either going to happen for him or it's not going to happen. You should know right now by year three. Think of some quarterbacks who are right ahead of him. Do you think Joe Burrow's going to win one? Do you think Jalen Hurts is going to win one? Do you think Justin Herbert is going to win one? Do you think Josh Allen is going to win one? Man, I'm asking. What do you think? That, that's what it's about, right? Getting a franchise quarterback. All right, you got the Joe Flackos. You got the Matt Staffords. How many starting quarterbacks are there in the NFL that are still considered young? Uh, Russell Wilson, I guess I should put in the category of the other two. You've got what? You've got Mahomes. Uh, who else? Who am I leaving out of there? Is that it? Can you think of any, JJ, outside of Mahomes as far as young quarterbacks who have won a Super Bowl? I don't think so.
3: I think that's it. Well, there is, there's like no quarterbacks that have won a Super Bowl. Like right. uh, like we talked about last week, Brady basically won every Super Bowl. Uh huh.
1: Both Mannings. We
3: had Stafford.
1: Roethlisberger won a couple, Breeze won one, Rogers won one. Uh, I mean, right now, quarterbacks under the age of 30. I'll have to check on, uh, you know, Russell Wilson. Nick Foles, of course. But I think he's out of the league.
3: Yeah, I'm just making a
1: joke. Yeah. Um, I think there's one, I, as far as I know, there's only one quarterback in the NFL under the age of 30 who's won a Super Bowl rank, unless I'm missing something that is totally obvious here. That's Patrick Mahomes. The others are Stafford, Russell Wilson, and now Joe Flacco, who's back. Lamar Jackson, same category. That, that's the way I look at things when I evaluate quarterbacks. How many of these quarterbacks that are in the league, you know, the days of Matt, Matt Stafford winning it are, are probably over. Uh, Russell Wilson went out and they won, what, five of six and six of seven. It's now six of eight. I kind of think that that's going away. This is a cool story with uh, with Joe Flacco, but it's going away. So it gets you to Tua, Brock Purdy, Dak Prescott, C.J. Stroud, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, uh, Herbert, who's gone for the year, Lamar Jackson. Okay, and Joe Burrow, gone for the year. Let's put Trevor in that category.
3: Where do you line him up? Behind every single person you just named. I always used to say this, J.J., and
1: feel free to add to it, but in my opinion, there's four, maybe five, of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Only four and or five. Who never was able to win a Super Bowl. And that begins with Dan Marino. And I think you go with Dan Fouts. And what he did with Air Coryell was uh was absolutely spectacular. Jim Kelly. Jim Kelly went to four. Absolutely. Has to be uh considered in that list. And and the fourth for me is Warren Moon. Mm. Warren Moon <laughs> threw for miles. Um that's it for me. Think of the last 25 years. Any great quarterback. Give me one that I missed. We have the greatest quarterbacks in the game. You can go back to Otto Graham and Bart Starr and Johnny Unitas. And yeah, I hate to put Joe Namath in there because, frankly, that, that's the biggest Hall of Fame
3: sham of it all. I would say maybe like Phillip Rivers or okay, okay, you Matt can make an argument. Ryan maybe. All right. You know, like a former MVP and, of the league. And these
1: are guys who just retired in the last year or so. All right. Yeah. I'll give you that. That's a good argument. You know, some, you may try to tell me Randall Cunningham. Um, okay. I mean, there's others that, that maybe we can we can battle over here a little bit. But this is not baseball. I mean, this isn't like Ted Williams and – and uh, Ernie yeah, Banks. If, if you're great, and you win. The great quarterbacks in the history of the National Football League all have one thing in common. They won the Super Bowl. Right. Except for the few that I mentioned. And again, uh, okay, the, the Matt Ryans and the Phillip Rivers, they just went through their career and they called it a crit. They didn't win. Look at every other quarterback who, who quit in the last couple of years. The great ones all won it. You know, Favre, Breeze, Rodgers, Rodgers, even though I guess he's still playing. Uh, he'll come back next year. Uh, both Mannings, Roethlisberger, uh, Tom Brady. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the hardest position in sports, but it's also a position where you may have the shortest leash. If you don't get it done, you're gone and someone else gets that opportunity. So I just mentioned all these young guns. I still think you have to feel pretty good about this. Now, you know, objectively.
3: Yeah, look at the rest of the league. I mean, you're not, like, at the elite level quarterback-wise, but, man, you could be so much worse. I mean, like, I feel like at least half the league is looking for their quarterback.
1: There's two quarterbacks that I have changed. With Trevor Lawrence and the eye test has done that for me. I Lamar Jackson is ahead of Trevor Lawrence.
3: Oh yes,
1: he is. Now I've always been a little, a little subdued. I think
3: Trevor's ceiling is higher than Lamar's. Right,
1: right. But I've always been a little subdued about Lamar Jackson because his style of play, and I, I, I always say to myself that he's one play away from being, you know, uh. Uh, RG3. Yeah,
3: I don't think he'll win a Super Bowl, <clears throat> but you don't I think mean, so? no. But right now, whoa! I mean, it's not even close. You got to take Lamar. I'll give you another one, and I never thought I'd say this: Jalen Hurts. No, no. Okay, I th- I'd take Trevor over Jalen Hurts How about right two now. Of- I-, I thought Jalen Hurts last year was—I would have said that probably last year, but on—I I think he's regressed seriously. His level, his ability to read a defense, too. Super unimpressed by that. Uh, who was the third guy? Tua. I'd take Trevor over Tua. I think if Trevor was in Miami right now, he'd have pretty good stats. I think he'd be on that level of Tua. I th- but you could – that's a close one for me. I think if I probably wasn't, like, in Jacksonville working in Jags radio every single day, I would probably say Tua. How about Dak Prescott? Dak. No question. Hmm. He's just more consistent. You know, like, the fumbles with Trevor's, that worries me, man. The 16 turnovers this year, I thought after last year, I'm like, okay, this is the season now. His third season, he was spectacular, I feel like, at the end of last year. He's going to take that next step. He's going to be with the Burrows. He's going to be with – I still love Herbert. I I think he would have been like that, but I – I don't believe that anymore.
1: Never been a huge Dak guy. He's had an unbelievable year. He did not play well the other night. I also don't he's think he's
3: had a great year. I I don't think Dak will win a Super Bowl. Yeah, and
1: he's and he's thirty, and that's not old for a quarterback.
3: No, especially nowadays, he got like ten years left. I don't think Dak or Lamar will win a Super Bowl, but right now, I would put them ahead of Trevor.
1: Okay. So, I think
3: Trevor's ceiling is much higher than both of those guys.
1: The Stafford thing ain't working this year. The, no, uh, but
3: he's looked – I mean, the Rams are a sneaky good right. team, but they're not going to win the Super uh,
1: Bowl. The uh, the Russell Wilson thing, uh, I, I, I think that's kind of wearing off. Yeah. Um, the Joe Flacco story is a nice story. I mean, Cleveland's never won a Super Bowl in their history. They're not going to win it this year. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that leaves us – I mean, who's next? Everyone always says Josh Allen, Josh Allen. Two weeks ago, we were laughing at that. Last two weeks, Buffalo looks like maybe the best team on the planet. Uh, Is it Brock Purdy? You don't think it's Lamar Jackson? I, I I still think I'm going to end up taking. I mean, I when we did it, I had Kansas City over. uh, I think I had them over Philadelphia. We made our picks.
3: Yeah. So, I mean, if the season ended today, you would have. The Ravens in the Super Bowl. I mean, I can't argue against that. I just, when it comes to the playoffs, man, I'm not picking Lamar to win the AFC. I'm sorry. That's, I go by what I've seen his first four or five years of his career. It, There is a much, there's a huge difference in the way defenses play in the playoffs and in the regular season against Lamar. There just is. I, I'm i not a big enough X's and O guys to break it down for you. But it happens every single year. The um, I I just love the
1: fact that the Ravens are are uh, are fourth in scoring and second in points allowed, fourth in points, and then second in points allowed. It's exciting also, games, right? Well, and 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 the way that they run the ball, they're number one in the NFL. Man, if you can run the football during the playoffs in the cold weather, that just dominates. The time of possession, it's such a huge
3: But on those factor. third and sixes and sevens, man, Lamar just doesn't get it done I mean, in look the playoffs.
1: Beckham Beckham and Flowers had a combined two receptions here on Sunday night.
3: Exactly.
1: For like 20 yards.
3: And a big drop by Beckham.
1: And Andrews is hurt. All right, let's, uh, let's take a break. Come back. If you want to respond to that, you can. You know I didn't give any love was Jordan. Having a really good year, Jordan Love, yeah, I mean, he's completing almost sixty five percent of his passes, twenty five touchdowns, eleven picks mm. uh, got an average of six point nine. this I don't know what it is. It feels like he, you know, it was a it was a obviously, they felt like there was something there when they moved along. Uh, from Aaron Rodgers, but it just feels like you know quarterbacks in Green Bay. When you go from Lord Favre to Aaron Rodgers, all the hype and everything that they get, just not feeling as much of it with Green Bay. It's it's probably because they're third right now in the division with a record of six and eight. You know, behind Detroit and now Minnesota. All right, we got much more to do. one, ten ten on our text line. Brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures.
2: And the
0: Into the Night with Rick Ballew on 1010XL 92.5 FM. For the summer, I'm calling,
2: hear
0: me calling, hear me calling.
1: Such a dizzy, dizzy song, I, Imagine it's way better when you're stoned. Um, I have the utmost respect for Steve Miller. Never forget the mid '70s came. This LP, I don't know if it was this one. It might have been the Fly Like an Eagle uh, LP came out right around uh, Peter Frampton. Frampton Comes Alive. Just and they wouldn't put Steve Miller in the Hall of Fame. They didn't put him in until like just a couple of years ago. And he went nuts on him. <laughs> he showed up and just bashed. In his, all in his oh, speech? Oh, in his speech. Oh, I got to watch that. It's one of the greatest things of all time. You know, some were so disgruntled they just didn't show up, like Mike, like Mark Knopfler of uh, uh, Dire Straits. And I, I saw him a couple years ago as well out at uh, St. Aug. Man, I love the St. Aug amp. probably so seen he, most acts there.
3: Uh, the, the headline, or I mean, when you click on the video, it says, Steve Miller goes off on Rock Hall after introduction, or induction. And he goes off on Cheap Trick during speech. Oh, no, he got inducted with Cheap Trick. Excuse me. Sorry, I am like to hang. And listen, and I like Cheap
1: Trick. I've seen him three times. But, you know, come on. Unless you're a deep cut type of guy. I mean, Cheap Trick's got five or six really good songs. That's about it. At least they're in. There's so many others who should be in, but I loved when Steve Miller popped off uh, like this. It was one of the um, one of the great things that has ever happened, historically speaking, uh, at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I, I said a little bit earlier. Some people may forget this. You know who got his start with Steve Miller, who made it on his own, kind of jazzy, a little bit of soft rock with some jazz. No the, idea. The great Boz Skags. The Lido Shuffle. And Georgia. And on and on and on. What, what have you done to me, right? Um, lowdown. Uh, lowdown. I mean, you talk about some bass. Lowdown, but...
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, this...
1: I know the divorcees are out there. Let me see. It's 9 o'clock in Jacksonville. If you're looking for your fourth husband, my advice to you is head on over to the Blue Crab Crab House. Wednesday night, $1 oysters. Can't think of a better way to find your future man of the house. Love the
2: voice.
1: Just one of those deals when they show the stage and there's like twelve guys on there just all wailing an instrument. And, and like you don't sing. even
3: know what a couple of the instruments are, even you're like, what is that? I've never even seen
2: that.
1: You know like that Ohio State coach who like uh, the Michigan coach who snuck on, on other sidelines? That's that really kind of my dream. Stallions. So. Is this like sneak on stage with like an unplugged guitar? <laughs> You know, try to like, you know try to look all su- suave in front of like some hot chick, and, and get her a backstage pass, and you know tell her, like you're like, "Wow, well, I'm actually a, I'm a rhythm
3: guitarist." <laughs> try to blend in with your Eastern Michigan sweatshirt on, <laughs> black shades. We do uh, need an update on Connor Stallions. I haven't heard about him in months. Bama hired a former assistant coach. Did you see that? No. Yes. They did.
1: Um, that I read that the other day. Tonight's a big night with all the flipping that uh, is going to go on. I wonder what tomorrow is like. You know, this, all this talk that the Blunt kid,
3: Armando Blunt, yeah,
1: who originally gave a, a verbal to the U and then gave the verbal to Florida State, he was out partying with Rick Ross. I love Rick Ross. OK, I yeah. know I, I know a lot of you may not get that, but trust me, when I get some alone time, my go to is Rick Ross.
3: <laughs> I would have never expected that. Um, we also we as in Miami used the Rick Ross treatment on Cam Ward, but that might not have worked. Miami went after Washington State's quarterback Cam Ward. It looks like it's down to Miami versus Florida State. And he's not going to give his decision until after Christmas. So maybe a late Christmas present for the Knowles out there.
1: Well, apparently Miami's now making inroads at the former Kentucky quarterback. Kentucky quarterback. Uh, Two-way guy. We just watched him against. Oh, um,
3: you mean Arkansas. KJ Jefferson. Yes,
1: yes, yes. Jefferson. Yeah, I wouldn't love
3: that. I, I, I thought he was, he's a good running quarterback, but. Shane Dawson's system, it's completely opposite of that. I I don't think that would be a good fit, but if that's all we can end up getting, it is what it is. I I think I would honestly rather have DJU than him, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. Tomorrow's going
1: to be an exciting day. We're going to do a lot tomorrow, but the time we get on at 6 o'clock, for the most part, everything will be set in stone. There'll still be a few hanging out there, but we'll certainly review everything that does take place. 94-04, 94-04, blue. Two starting receivers are out. Can't rush for 80 yards. Can't touch the quarterback. Kicker has the yips. Uh, quarterback presses too much. One and two to finish nine and eight out of the playoffs to tiebreakers. A lot of that is true. Quarterback pressures. They're getting better, and I I want you to consider this for just one moment. Because I actually saw this today, and it blew me away. And I was going to save it for another night, but I'll, why save it? You know, I, I was told that way back. I was told that 30 years ago. You know, Don't ever save something if you can go with it right now. And I'm going to go with it. But there has been much improvement as of late with Trayvon Walker. He had six, uh, he had six pressures on Sunday night. Eight pressures for Josh Allen. But ask yourself this question, if you did not have those two, and I, I know you can you can basically say this about any pass rush team or any NFL team uh, that there is, but the difference being Jacksonville was getting no push from the interior, nothing. You know, all that talk about a third defensive end and moving Trayvon Walker inside, kind of becoming what Calais Campbell – was when Allen was a rookie and and um you had uh what unique uh on the other side no you you're not getting anything from your interior you're getting no push Devon Hamilton in camp was a monster i thought he was the best defensive lineman in camp again if i was to give you the top 5 players that i saw in camp uh, three of those would have been Calvin Ridley, Tank Bigsby, and Devon Hamilton, okay? By me saying that right now, th- again, that, that is a fireable offense. The fact that I admitted that is fireable, okay? I mean, most would be hiding from that, you know, pulling up rocks and, and, and just do it. Yeah, I said it because it was true. I have no idea what happened to Tank. And and the Devon thing, obviously, that was a freak injury. But he's not getting the push. Big Foley hasn't been 100%. Not getting the push. Um, Roy Robertson Harris has not had... I, I think he had one... I mean, I was looking, reading something last week. It was like one tackle in the last three games. And, and getting nothing, you know, towards quarterbacks. So, the point I'm trying to make is we can... Do whatever you want with this defense. But imagine what this defense would be like if you didn't have Trayvon Walker and Josh Allen. It would be scary. They wouldn't be able to do a thing. I have I think we've seen some guys who have improved this year defensively. Certainly Darius Williams has improved. I think Buster Brown. Yeah, I, I made a huge deal before the season – Could Jacksonville get anything out of any one of these five late draft picks who are defensive backs over the last two years? Buster Brown, Gregory Jr., Antonio Johnson, Hallett, and um, Braswell, Christian Braswell. Well, Brown's done some okay things. Antonio Johnson has done some okay things. Gregory junior he's got a little bit to learn, right? He was actually – he was activated last night, but he didn't get a snap uh, or two nights ago. But at least you're getting something. I think Devin Lloyd's improved, and a lot of you would disagree. I think he's improved. And, you know, I think a healthy Andre Sisco improved. So there has been some pretty good parts as far as improvement with that defense, but you're getting no push. And, and, and I saw this today, and I can't believe I'm going to do it, but I am. I was looking at off-season acquisitions. I was looking at biggest weaknesses on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, what is the biggest weakness? It's the same thing I complain about every single day, almost every single show. The Jaguars are never going to take that next step until they put together one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. They have to do it. They have to. So, uh, I can't see who the official, uh, you know, who released it. I don't know if it was CB. Uh, no, I don't want to say who it was because I uh, somehow I cut it off. I took of a, a a still photo of it or whatever you. What do you call it? Still photo or is that with an actual camera? Screenshot, right? Is that the word I'm looking um. for? Blue, man. Blue, this is getting, I mean, I'm getting younger with you guys. Number one, biggest weakness. Have a guess over there? Guess for me? Biggest weakness?
3: In the Jags? Yep. Um, secondary. I mean, they're like the worst against the pass this year, right? That is third. Ooh. A CB.
1: And, and, and this is great because you know what they say to go out and get? Sydney Jones, the fourth from the Cincinnati Bengals, a former Jaguar who was here for six games, like three years ago. Remember when they got Sidney Jones? I think. No, they, I don't remember. Yeah, that. Uh, uh, or, yeah, and I think they <laughs> they turned around, they traded him to. Uh, I want to see back to Seattle. They got back to Seattle. Yeah. All right. So here it is: uh, the five biggest weaknesses, and I'm screaming. I'm I'm by my. This tells you how crazy I am. Okay, and. And everything that's going on in my life, I'm yelling at the computer. I'm screaming like, you guys have no idea what you're talking about. It's offensive line. It's offensive line. It's offensive line. They give us the Jaguars' five biggest weaknesses. Number one, an edge defender. Number two, interior defensive line. Number three, a cornerback. Number four, a wide receiver. Number five, safety. Where the hell is the offensive line?
3: Maybe they think Cam will come back. Um, Bring maybe back they, Sheriff for the $29 they, yeah. million. Maybe they don't realize Fortner sucks. Luke Fortner uh,
1: started every game. He's so consistent. Yeah, he's consistently grades in the 40s, <laughs> according to Pro Football Focus.
3: They do have a right tackle. But, yes, I see your point. It's probably written by a national guy. See, I cheat. I don't know if I call it cheat.
1: I. I look ahead. I prep. You know, I, I, I and, and, and it's, there used to be a time with this franchise where we were all over it by this time because the Jags were way out of the playoffs, right? All my focus is on this team and health and, and, and this week's game plan and, and, you know, how are they going to match up in Tampa. But I had, you know, I, anyway, I found myself into, Looking towards next year, uh, just a little bit, because that is going to be huge. This organization is going to have to cut a lot of guys that you're used to. They're just going to have to make some massive financial decisions. Some of these contracts, the way that Bulky put them together, they fall apart this year. And, you know, let's look at Cam Robinson and Brandon Sheriff. There's two examples right there, two players who are gone. I mean, you're recouping $17.5 million from Cam, and I don't have it pulled up right now, but the number for Brandon Sheriff is enormous as well. But how can you not address the offensive line? That, that just uh, is, is absolutely staggering to me uh, that I, that would actually be the case. Uh, there's one other thing I wanted to find here. I guess we'll get to it after the break. Oh, yeah, here it is real quick. I promise it's quick. Are you ready, this? <laughs> Three of the, all right, outside of Elijah Cooks, you know, th- all right, let me, let me, let me save this. I, I'm going to get to this point on the other side, I promise. It's about the offensive line and something on Elijah Cooks. Oh, my God. If I'm bringing up Elijah Cooks, you know what that means. This is Camp Ms. Radio.
0: into the night with Rick Baloo on 1010XL 92.5 FM.
1: Alright, J.J. Gray coming in the town. St. Augustine. J.J. It's all about home, man. You know,
0: that's why we That's where we're all headed. Where we want
1: to be. When I haven't ever- given him his due and I feel that that's on me. Hope he's not saying the imaginary imaginary line between here and Georgia. I hate when people say that this is South I don't Georgia. Know. This
3: song is called Lock Loose. Uh, I'll speed it up. I didn't realize it was a. Oh my god. Quit talking, bro. Lord I must How much I love you. Great voice. Ever mosquito, ever rattlesnake,
0: every canebrake. Everything ooh, ooh, ooh. Got a little bit
1: of soul here. Yeah, I like it.
0: Every alligator, every black water swamp, every fresh water spring,
1: everything. See the picture of the gator ooh, I posted today on Twitter? We couldn't figure out if it was uh, live, or fake. dead,
3: or fake. I called fake by its eyes. So it didn't move at all, like no, when you were. No. That's hilarious. I I think it was. Dead. And my buddy threw a couple of <laughs> balls at it.
2: But a lot of those gators
1: won't move if you throw golf balls at them. They like what they kind of turn around, and look at you, and call you a tourist. But <laughs> that's all you got. I couldn't figure it out. All right. Um, let's say caller number four six four one ten ten. You get to go see. JJ Gray in Mofro. What
3: day did you say that is? Um, that is So uh, it's a pair of tickets to see J.J. Gray's Blackwater Soul Review at Saint Augustine Amphitheater on May twenty sixth, twenty twenty four. Tickets available on Ticketmaster.com. That's a Sunday night.
1: I may have to go to that. It sounded pretty good. I'm gonna mm-hmm. have to check him out. I've heard awesome things. Same over the years. I've heard a ton on J.J. Gray. It's just um it's really not my style of music. But it, you know, Tedeschi Trucks wasn't really my style of music until I heard them, and then I saw them, and then I was absolutely blown away. So i am got to give this guy an opportunity. Obviously, he's from uh, right here in Jacksonville. All four one ten ten. if you want to get on in. Uh, again, caller number four, the phone lines are going absolutely crazy right now, I'm trying to win uh, some tickets uh, for this. All right, I, I wanted to get this out. Let me do it now. Uh, first of all, this it, it, here's another thing with Elijah Cooks, and and this is where, in my, in my line of work, where you can get just so incredibly humbled, and just beaten up, okay, because whether it was him or Harris or any of these wide receivers that we spent the entire offseason talking about, and especially the month of August talking about. And how Elijah Cooks is a guy that, you know, really can make a difference. He's a, he's a huge body. You know, he did some incredible things uh, during training camp. And, you know, I want to say he's six uh, four and some change. And then he gets one pass thrown to him on Sunday. And it was an awful drop. Not only was it an awful drop, it, it looked like he shouldn't even have been in the stadium. It was that bad of a drop. Well, anyway, the reason why I raised that is, according to Pro Football Focus, he had the worst grade this week. Okay, he played two plays, and he had a grade of 42. Actually, he had 14 snaps, and he had a grade of 42. But this is exactly why I will always yell about the offensive line and will continuously yell about the offensive line. The next three lowest scores for the Jaguars offense on Sunday night. Brandon Sheriff, okay? 61 plays had a grade of 44.7. Walker Little, 62 plays, had a grade of 46.4. Here we go again. Every single week. The most consistent part of this offensive line is Luke Fortner grading in the 40s, okay? 62 plays, a grade of 47.8. So take away those dozen snaps from Elijah Cook. Elijah Cook's the three worst offensive linemen, the three worst offensive grades were the three offensive linemen your left tackle, your center your right guard. Then it's Parker Washington ahead of him. And then after that, it's Anton Harrison. 62 plays, a grade of 51.1. So four-fifths of your offensive line of four of the the worst six offensive grades. And one of those you should actually put in parentheses because Elijah Cooks only played a dozen plays. Uh, Let's see, the only lineman who graded out fairly effectively, was Ezra Cleveland, all 62 plays, and he had a grade of 60.3. I know we can't live and die with pro football focus. You are going to trust your eyes. I'm going to trust my eyes. But there's never anything that supports the offensive line. Okay, here's my point. Many of you have been down on Devin Lloyd. Many of you have been down, not this year, because you can't be down on what he's done this year. He's been spectacular. Many have been down on Josh Allen. Many have been down on Trayvon Walker. Every once in a while, there are numbers that support that they're playing well, right? The eye test is absolutely important, but there is data that will say, well, wait a minute now. Lloyd's done this and Walker's doing this, and Allen's doing this. There's no data at all, none, that supports the offensive line. I, I, don't, care what, I don't care what the analytic is. Jacksonville is always 30-31st as far as their offensive line. It's terrible. You have got to fix that offensive line. Uh, and you're gonna have to outscore your opponent and and I say that it's an obvious but i I, I say it factually that you're gonna I, I mean if you give up thirty fine score thirty one fix your offense and know I had a problem with this two years ago with Trent bulky, and he took the team to the playoffs, so I tipped my cap, but he tried to fix everything at once. And I'm going to stay with that. You can't. You can't be a bottom feeder like the Jaguars and have the top pick year after year and win, what, four games in two years and all of a sudden expect to just flip the switch. You have to build it in sections. And when you get a franchise quarterback, you have to protect this guy. 32 sacks all year. He's still one of the best in the NFL with his escapability out of the pocket. Offensive line, uh, defensive line, edge, safety. Screw that. Offensive line, offensive line, offensive line, offensive line. That's what I'm doing. Here's one here. Bo, do you think it makes any sense to redo Cam Robinson's contract? I don't. I think he's totally overpaid. And now we need to add to the equation. That he, get, that he gets injured too much. This is three years now that he's been injured, where he's missed games. And we all saw how hard it was on him, you know, literally shedding tears. But I'm not paying him. I'm not restructuring it. I'm not getting into a deeper financial hole with Cam Robinson. Um, I, I don't think you can trust him. And I'm not talking about him getting popped again uh, with PEDs. I'm talking about injuries. And that's a business decision. Regardless of what happens the rest of the way, it would be nice to see Walker Little finish strong. He was bad the other night. He allowed eight pressures. And Doug Peterson came out and said he's playing hurt. These guys are playing hurt. Little has to get healthy and be your left tackle. And Harrison has to get better and come in next year stronger as a right tackle. Outside of that, I don't know what you're doing with your interior. Right now, I'd throw them all out. You can bring back Shatley if you want. Make him your swing guard, sure. But I need three new starters. Maybe this Cooper Hodges kid can play. I don't know. Are you going to play him now with with the playoffs in front of you? He's been on IR all year. I I doubt it. I mean, Brandon Sheriff, say whatever you want about Sheriff. The guy goes down He missed one play. He is a tough man. I just, he's never been a power right guard. He's always been a finesse guard. And it looks to me like he's really beaten up, you know, in the lower body. I, I don't know what, but it just by watching him, <laughs> It seems like every possession, there's a problem. Am I wrong here? When you watch, it's like, wow, there's something wrong with his ankles. There's something wrong with his feet. He's a tough guy. I mean, I respect the heck out of it. But you got to move along from that. It's called old age. Yeah. Got to move along. You know, Ezra Ezra Cleveland. It's a contract year. Luke Fortner. You know, if I was a betting man. I bet that it is going to be Luke Fortner. You know why? Because they invested a third-round pick in him. And the general manager is going to say, get him better. Get him stronger. And we have other positions. Just because I'm saying offensive line, offensive line. Trent Bulky right now could be with his scouts saying, "Uh uh-uh, we're getting an edge in the first round. And, you know, we may not have that second-round pick because we're going to redo Calvin Ridley. Or if so, it's a third-round pick. Uh, for the numbers that Calvin Wrigley picked up or whatever it ends up being, second, third, or fourth for Wrigley. We won't know for another three weeks. Oh, we got to get a wide receiver. We're going to let Wrigley go. Oh, we're going to cut Zay Jones. At least that's on the offense. I'm all about offense, if you haven't noticed. I, I still think the best teams in the league who win it year in, year out, our offensive teams. We had a couple of exceptions. The Brady Super Bowl win in Tampa. Went out of like a 13-3 final or something crazy like that. And you can go back to when Peyton Manning won it in Denver. But for the most part, it's offense. You just said earlier, you didn't think Lamar Jackson... And Baltimore will win a Super Bowl. Well, when I think of Baltimore, I think of one of the great defenses in the NFL. When I think of San Francisco, I think of one of the great defenses in the NFL. Uh, and they both have very, very good quarterbacks. I don't know. Double overtime right now. Gators putting it to Michigan. Oh. In this, uh, boy, I looked up a minute ago. I guess it could have been a minute ago. It must have been about uh, take that guy off the screen. My goodness, man, what an ugly sweatshirt that is. Um, there's a nice-looking one. That's Michigan. 99-93, uh, we uh, looked up a minute ago, and Michigan was up three with like 30 seconds to go in the first overtime period. So you never know what you'll get with Hoots. But Ford in good shape here with a minute to go, up six in the basketball.
3: This is why I don't watch college basketball. I just looked up the scoreline. In the first overtime, both teams scored eight points. (laughs) It's just, it's unwatchable, man. I'm sorry.
1: Nothing has been more affected by rules than college basketball. Early defection of the NBA, now the transfer rules. Yeah, it's,
3: I'm with you. Like, they're in double, they're about to finish double overtime. Neither team has 100 points. Think about that. Uh, Rams plus Casey and Philly both had
1: great defenses. Mm. What Philly defense are we talking about? That was a 41-34 Super Bowl when it was Patriots over Philadelphia. All right, that was six years ago. You must be referring to last year's. Um, okay. Not bad defenses. Uh, Were they top? Were they top 10 defenses in the NFL? Were they top five defenses in the NFL? I'll tell you my feeling on that, though. The difference between those two teams and the two teams that I mentioned is even with Lamar Jackson. When I think Baltimore, I think defense. And even with Brock Purdy and you know making the trade and getting McCaffrey and Debo Samuel and, and everyone else that they have, uh, George Kittle, when I think San Francisco, I think defense. When I think Kansas City and I think Philadelphia, I think offense. You think defense for either one of those teams? Yeah, maybe I'm wrong. Let me see if I can get last year's numbers here before I hit to this break. Uh, 22 regular season uh, defenses in 2022. Well, here you go. Top defenses, San Francisco, Buffalo, Baltimore, the Jets, the Cowboys, the Bengals, the Commanders. All right, the Eagles came in at number four, five, six, eight. seven, Number 8 at 20.2. That's a great defense. No argument there. That is a sensational defense. If you're trying to tell me that our defense has given up 20.2 points a game, you're going to win more games than you're going to lose. For what it's worth, Jacksonville's defense last year, I talk about it all the time, only gave up 20.6 again. Uh, Kansas City, where are you? Where'd you go, KC? KC is midway through uh, 21.7. All right, looks like they're, they don't have numbers by it, but I'm estimating that's probably around 18, 19, 20, somewhere in that neighborhood. Yet, you know, the difference is only a little bit less than two points total. Uh, between Kansas City and um, and Philadelphia. So, yeah, San Francisco, man, they lost 16.3 points a game last year. Let's we'll see what they're doing this year. I haven't looked at the numbers. All right, so Baltimore actually moved up to number one now after shutting down Jacksonville to seven. So your top defense this year, Baltimore, 16.1, San Francisco, 16.7. You know you know what really is interesting? Kansas City's offense has sputtered a little bit this year. Their defense has moved up from 19 to number three in points allowed at 17.5. And Philadelphia, man, they've really dipped. They're at 25 now. And why would they go to Matt Patricia? Why would that organization go to Matt Patricia? Go back to that Super Bowl with the Philly special with Doug Peterson and Nick Foles. You know the defensive coordinator on the other side was under Bill Belichick? Matt Patricia allowing 41 points in that Super Bowl loss. Yeah, Nick Sirianni made that move last night as we saw uh, Patricia down on the sideline. Uh, Colin Plays for the eagles all right we got much more to do take you up until uh 10 o'clock tonight then hacker nation will join do we have a winner by the way we do
3: congratulations to tommy he will be attending the uh jj gray show sounds good tommy congrats
0: now today's takeaways brought to you by key buick gmc where our family dealership has been helping families buy vehicles for over 50 years
1: I had a ton right now in the lot. You still got a few days to do it before Christmas. Uh, love my GMC Sierra from Key. And the GF has her Buick Enclave as well. Right across the street from Tinseltown, Southside, and gate. Takeaway today is this. A day to breathe. Tomorrow is huge. And that includes, obviously, the health of Trevor Lawrence, who typically speaks to us on Wednesday. Uh, we'll find out from Doug Peterson as to what's happening. I wouldn't expect to hear from Trevor because under the Collective bargaining agreement. Anyone in the concussion protocol does not speak to the media. And if we do hear from Trevor, then that's outstanding news. That means that he would be out of the concussion protocol.
0: Now, the two-minute drill. Brought to you by Tire Outlet. Keeping the rubber on the road with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet, Jacksonville's largest locally owned
1: automotive repair shop. All right, Hacker, what do you got going on tonight?
2: You know, I remember a world where the first Wednesday in February, I would get out of Mandarin Middle School. I would turn on the bad show with Rick Ballou, and I would get all the recruiting coverage on National oh, Signing man. Day. It was like the Super Bowl of, of recruit nicks everywhere, and I was even, you know, at that young age. And National Signing Day is tomorrow, and how many people even know about it? Uh, yeah. It has been decimated by this December early signing period.
1: Yeah, it, it has. And JJ and I were just talking about it off air. I do miss those, those days. That first Wednesday in February was outstanding. And it fell at a great time, too. You know, it was usually, I don't remember if it was the week before the Super Bowl or during the, uh, the bye week or whatever it was, but it just seemed like it was a perfect time. There's too much going on to have signing day tomorrow.
2: You know, I thought Bill Bender of the Sporting News, I had him on last week. He made a great analogy with the transfer portal and early signing period during bowl season. It would be like the NFL starting free agency during the playoffs. I mean, that's basically what's going on in college football. You got these bowl games going on. And 15 or 20 of these guys on these teams aren't playing because they're in the transfer portal. I know. It is absolutely uh, insane, and I think they've got to do something about it eventually. Yeah, I don't
1: know what they're going to do. I mean, I I expected these eight or nine opt-outs that that Florida State's getting, but I didn't expect the DJ Lundy's and the Josh Farmers and Patrick Payton's and players like that. And I don't know what the status is with Payton, but... It's a fair point. All right, what do you got coming up tonight?
2: Yeah, obviously it's signing eve uh, for the uh, first signing period. So David Waters, Gators Breakdown Podcast will tell us what to look forward to with Florida tomorrow, a big day for Florida with D.J. Lagway, uh, the five-star quarterback signing with them. We'll go to Tallahassee, Logan Robinson of Knoll Game Day doing the same thing, kind of a Florida State preview as well and we'll also obviously talk a little Jaguars and the Buccaneers a big one in the state of Florida coming up on Sunday all right hack have a lot of fun thanks Rick coming up right now that'll do it for us appreciate all of your uh
1: input tonight some good stuff hundreds on the text line always thank you for that I try to get back to as many of you as I as I can I don't check the text line now the show is over so if you'd like to get me you can on twitter That is Blue 1010XL. Tomorrow night, Thursday night, Friday night, back to our regularly scheduled program. That'll be 6 until 8 for J.J. Lasalva. My name is Rick Foley. We'll talk tomorrow at 6. Have a good night.